the book of Matthew. I'm just so thankful for our children and thankful. I know that you all as parents that are in the room have a commitment to that. So thank you. Praise God. Praise God. It makes me think of the story that was told, obviously a hypothetical story, nonetheless. Somebody spoke of dying and going to heaven, being in heaven on that great day, and running around and meeting everybody, talking to everyone, running up to Moses. What was it like to see the Red Sea part? You know, running up to Abraham and asking what it was like on Moriah when the angel of the Lord stopped his hand and he got his son right back and going to the apostle Peter and saying what was it like on the day of Pentecost when the fire fell and uh, running around and then someone came running up to them and identified themselves as the prophet Joel and said I just want to know what was it like to live in the last days when God poured out his spirit on all flesh Sometimes we need to make sure we got a perspective of where we're living and the privilege that's been given us to live in this hour and to do the work of the kingdom. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. The book of Matthew. Matthew. Praise God. I hope this is the right chapter. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22. You've heard me say before, I don't do series, or I usually don't knowingly do series. I usually, after the fact, realize it was a series where the Lord is leading us a certain way in a thread, and then I look back and I'm like, man, if I was like one of those people that had it all together, I could have like called this a series and gave it great titles all the way through and we could probably package that up or something. I, that's not who I am. And uh, that's nothing against those that do that that way. They got it. That just The Lord probably knows if I saw the end from the beginning in some things, I'd get in the way and goof it all up. And so he just sort of keeps me in the dark any further than I need to know and says, you just follow. And so by his grace, I hope to do that. But uh, if I were to go back and put together a series, this would probably be part three. Uh, you may rem- and I was realizing that as we were worshiping over here and the Lord's dealing with my heart. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So in case you think I always have, I don't. I'm, I'm sort of figuring it out with you as we walk this road together, seeking the face of God. And uh, you may remember a few weeks ago we spoke uh, about Well, we've done it a couple of times, I think, but we spoke about Peter's humanity where he was out fishing and Jesus Christ was on the seashore. He had breakfast on the fire early in the morning, right? And he sat down and had that dialogue with with Peter. Peter, do you love me? Remember that? And uh, if not, it's out there on YouTube. You can go check it out if you want the first part of this series. Um, Of course, Jesus was dealing with Peter about his love for him, his love for the Lord Jesus Christ, and how his love would then affect his calling and his walking and his purpose. The motive for Peter fulfilling his calling and purpose had to be a love for the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? And then we spoke, I don't know, a week or two later about love for our brother. Remember that? Yeah, I had some people ask me, man, were you mad? That was awful intense. I said, man, I don't think so. So I was checking myself. No, but the, and I realized the Lord was dealing with us first about our love for him. And then our love for one another, the brother and sister in the body of Christ. We've got to have a love for our brother. He said, if you don't love your brother whom you have seen, how can you love me whom you have seen? If you hate your brother, you're the same as a murderer. Those are pretty serious words. And so, I think the Lord's going to deal with us about love again today. Yet another element. And I believe, and as he's been dealing with me about this, I feel like maybe there's a part four now that I'm starting to understand some things. You know, everything 
everything in the Spirit of God that would flow through you and I in ministry, whether it be ministry talking with a group like we are here this morning or whether it be ministry one-on-one over a cup of coffee or working side-by-side and there be a flow of ministry, anything from the Spirit of God that would flow in ministry should always flow through the love of God. Should always flow through the love of God. This is his design. We, we find the verse that says, speak the truth in love. Right? I've probably spoken the truth in, what's the word? I would not hate. Don't, don't put words in my mouth. I've probably spoken the truth in declaration and let me set you straight before. God, forgive me. That's not his nature. That's my human nature. And so I need his nature, like Peter said. I want to be a partaker of his divine nature. And so, so any ministry of the Spirit, if you and I want to flow in the Spirit, operate in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, Romans 8, if we want to do that, it's really why we need to be partakers of his divine nature because we need the love of God to work in our lives. I can't love you the way that I should. But if the love of God is operating in my life, then the love of God through me can love you the way he wants to. I'm not capable of it. And, and you're probably more capable than I, but you're not, cap- you're not capable of loving people the way we should either without the love of God operating through our lives. And so this is why we fellowship him. This is why we spend time in prayer with him, in communion with him, because we're being made partakers of his divine nature. This is why he baptizes us with the gift of the Holy Ghost. So his spirit dwells in us. And then this is why Paul prayed for the church. I travail in birth until Christ be formed in you. He wasn't talking about some physical formation. He was talking about the nature of God, the character of God being formed in our lives. And we know from John, God is love. And so the love of God has to be manifest through our lives. And for pure, true, unhindered ministry of the Spirit, it really should flow through an avenue of the love of God. That should be the conduit through which it flows. That was an introduction to part four down the road probably. Okay, so this is why this is so important. This isn't just let's talk about love because we should love everybody and God loves everybody. I'm afraid we do that sometimes and water down the powerful work of the love of God in life. The scripture is clear. Love can cover a multitude of sins. It's powerful. When I love somebody, I look different. I look at them differently. I look at them differently when I love somebody. All right, Matthew 22. I'm sure you're there by now. Matthew chapter 22, verse 35. Um, Yeah. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question. They're asking Jesus, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. I'm still working on the first and great one. I don't know about you. That's a tall order. But I'm working on it. Verse 39. And the second is likened to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments. Everybody say these two commandments. These two. On these two commandments hang all. Everybody say all. All. That's pretty significant. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That means everything you read from Genesis to Malachi hangs on those two commandments. I guess if you wanted to get technical, you could remove history and you could remove uh, the the poetry books 
and say, well, it doesn't mean the Psalms and it doesn't mean the historical books. It just means the first five books and all the major and minor prophets. We could split hairs there, but all the law and all the prophets definitely hang on those two commandments. It's what Jesus said. That makes you consider them in a different light, I would trust. That tells you how critical loving God and loving my neighbor is to this book and truth. Those two commandments, I don't care if I know this book from cover to cover. If I don't have these two commandments in the proper place in my life, I've missed what everything in this book hangs on. He's talking about motive. Motive. All right. Can you go to verse 39 again? Watch. I want to see this. The second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you would look at that like unto it and compare verse number 37 with 39, the expectation would be that I would love my neighbor. Thank you. I don't hear those things, but they do, and you probably do too. The expectation would be that the way I love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength would be the way I would love my neighbor. Because the second one's like unto it. Does that make sense? Well, it's hard enough for me to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is why I need the love of God operating through my life. So that this can be accomplished. We can't accomplish these things in our own human effort and ability. Okay? That's why you need to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. His spirit is able. Luke chapter 10. Luke 10. This is Luke's recording of what I believe to be the same interaction. But we get a little bit more here. We get a little bit more of the picture here that we didn't get uh, in Matthew. Luke chapter 10, verse number 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That's a pretty big question. Probably a good time to pay attention, whatever the response is, right? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answering said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, with, and your neighbor as yourself. And your neighbor as yourself. You love your neighbor as yourself. And he said unto him, you have answered right. This do, and you shall live. But he, and boy, I see myself in this verse right here. I'm not careful. But he, willing to justify himself. Is that not a statement of human nature or what? Willing to justify himself. I don't want to justify self. I want to align with the word of God. I want the spirit of God working through my life. God, when I'm justifying myself, reveal that to me. I want to humble myself before you. I don't want to be justifying something. Saying, oh, I'm checking a list in the word. That's enough. I, you understand? That's what he was saying. He, he was acknowledging enough of the word to justify himself. What was he justifying? He was justifying not fully fulfilling the integrity and truth and intent of the word. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Willing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, he, he's like, let's see if I can sort of get some lines drawn here that I can operate within. Right? Like, what do you mean? I, tell me more about, 
Tell me exactly what the line is. So this is what he's doing. He's trying to sort of separate out some people with this question. Who's my neighbor? He wasn't ready for the answer, I don't think. Verse 30, Jesus decided to share a story to reveal who his neighbor was. Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. He was stripped of his clothes and wounded. Or the thieves stripped him of his clothes and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. By chance there came a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, watch, he had compassion on him. Sounds a lot like love. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said to him, Take care of him. And whatsoever you spend more when I come again, I will repay you. And then Jesus turned around and asked the young lawyer a question. Which now of these three, thinkest you, was neighbor to him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. That was the one, Jesus. Notice he didn't say the Samaritan. It's almost like he couldn't find those words to get them to come out of his mouth. I just sort of imagine this, you know, lawyer wasn't like, if you're, get, if you're in a camel accident, call me lawyer. It wasn't one of those lawyers. Right? This was a a student of the law of the Old Testament. They were a lawyer. He didn't say, oh, the Samaritan. He said, he that showed mercy. One translation says, I suppose he that showed mercy. He, was just, he just didn't want to commit. Because remember, he's trying to justify himself. He that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus to him, go and you do likewise. I believe the Lord has a question for us today. And it's simply this. Who is your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? I have. I'm telling you. There is something that is opened up in the spirit. It is an open door to hungry hearts. It is an open door to people with a void and an emptiness in their soul that are looking for answers. Something has shifted in the atmosphere. Spiritually, there is an opening for hungry hearts. It's there. People that were closed before that would not give an ear or listen, I'm telling you, if we will open our mouth, they'll hear and they'll listen now. God, I believe, with all of my heart, has given us an open door. Ezra called it in his day a space of grace. I believe there's this opening that's been given us if we'll speak. But we have to determine who is our neighbor. Now, I, it's been a few months ago, I... Uh, it's probably last fall, maybe even last summer. I'm sorry to say. Uh, a few houses down from us, I, I saw a lady out working in her yard, trimming stuff, doing whatever. And that house had sold recently. And I thought, we need to walk down there and say hello. I should just walk down. And, well, I don't know. Something happened. I didn't. I know, I know you all would have just went right away, but I, I didn't. And... So please keep coming after I finish this story. You're going to think, like, what a terrible example he is. And uh, so I, okay, sort of passed by. And I, th- and, uh, I made a statement, I think, to my wife about, ah, we should, we should go down and say hello sometime. Whatever. Well, the, uh, 
we have been toying with the idea and looking at the idea of relocating, like finding a different house than the one we're in, uh, downsizing our kids and moved out. So these are the processes of life, right? Bear with me. We need to understand that there are processes of life. And the Lord wants to be involved in every part and process of life. I don't want to make decisions of my own volition. I want the leading of the Spirit of God in what I do and where I go and when I do it and how I do it. I believe God would direct us to where he'd have us to live if we relocate. Do you believe that? Do you believe that for you? I do too. And so he would do that. This is God. He wants to be involved in every part of our lives. And he wouldn't do it just for us. He would do it for those where he would place us. He might change your job because he wants to get you in front of certain people. He, he does these things. This is, this is us submitting our life to him and saying, I don't belong to myself anymore, Lord. I belong to you. Take me where you choose. My schedule belongs to you. It's yours. My calendar's yours. How do you want to use me, God? How can I be aware every day where I'm at, where you're placing me? A recognition. And so, so here we are, and we're, we're toying with this idea. We've looked at different houses. We've gone and walked through some, and we've, and I, we've made an offer on one and done some things, even paid for an inspection on one, and I just... And I'm just, I, I just couldn't get peace. I believe in following his peace. So, much to my wife's chagrin sometimes, I said, uh, her response might be something like, why do we keep looking? And it was probably the Lord telling me, why do you keep looking? Be still. And so... Uh, Interesting how things work when you and I make up our mind. Stop being tossed around a little bit, get something settled. And so I came home uh, from prayer one morning. I think I'd just come here early in the middle of the week and had came home. And I told my wife, I think I, I think we're just going to stay put right now. That could change in six months. But right now, I think this is where we're supposed to. I, I got some direction from the Lord. I feel like we're, let's do this. And so um, we pulled in to our house uh, driveway the other night, and this lady was outside working in her lawn again. I told my wife, come on, we're going to walk down there right now. I've been praying about this neighborhood since I determined I, right? I've been, we've lived there for eight years. I prayed for the neighborhood. I've met some people. Talked to, you've met some of those people. Uh, anyway, but... So I said, come on. Now, both of us looked like bums. Um, we weren't wearing our Sunday suit and ties. But they were out. I said, babe, they're doing yard work. Come on. They're not going to care. Let's go. No time like the present. Don't talk yourself out of it. Act. Amen? So we got up. We walked down. Started talking to this lady. You ever open your mouth and stuck your foot all the way down your throat? <laughs> yep. See, I. I'm just trying to be real. I don't want to paint some beautiful. I could tell the story like super quick and short and be like, oh, man, you know, elders so spiritual. No, I'm as human as you are. We walked down there. And uh, so we're talking to this lady. I said, hey, um, I said, yeah, we noticed when you bought the house, what, a year or two ago? And we'd just been meaning to come say hi. And she's, she says, oh, no, we moved in five years ago. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I wanted to hide behind my wife. I told her to come, but she, no, I didn't. I, I was just like, oh, my goodness, are you, I was like, forgive me. I, I, I did in that moment, no lie. In that moment, I felt the conviction of God. I felt the conviction of God. And this question came to me, who is your neighbor? Now, I know it's more than just somebody that's a door two or three down. I understand that. That was the principle of the word of the Lord. But, but I was convicted in that moment when she said five years. I felt the Lord saying, you didn't move. Who's your neighbor? I felt it. And I'm telling you, every time I went to prayer for the next few days, the Lord kept asking me, who's your neighbor? Are you aware of your neighbor? Do you have a recognition of your neighbor? Do you know the name of your neighbor? Have you talked to me about your neighbor? Have you and I spent time discussing your neighbor? Do you think they'd like to know me? Where do you think they're at? God just keeps dealing with me. And I've spent more time repenting probably than praying for my... 
He said, if you love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, this is the greatest commandment. And the second one, it's just like the first. Love your neighbor. How? Just like you love yourself. That's how I want you to love your neighbor. And here's what happens. I'm, I'm not, don't take this wrong. I'm talking about me here. And if it fits you, then go with me through this process and let God take us where he's wanting to take us. I could get so busy doing what I'm doing, working on what I'm working on. I got plans. I got projects around the house. I got things I'm doing, taking care of it. And timing's not always convenient, Brother Lewis. And things can get interrupted. And, and I just, I haven't, I've been more focused on my stuff around my house than my neighbor and these things. And I've lost sight of loving my neighbor at times. But it's the second of the great commandments. It's the second. Only comes after loving him. Think it matters to him? I think so. So we talked. It was fun. And humbling. And convicting. I got a pile of rocks. In my driveway. Some of you, if you've been by, you've seen it. I bought rocks for the side of the house. We did a little project. Got a little more than I needed when they delivered them. Didn't know what to do with them. Then I thought, well, maybe we can get them to the church and dump them here. But didn't really. that never seemed to work out. And I sort of got a little frustrated by that. I was like, man, I should have. I just, that pile of rocks has just stayed there for a year. That pile of rocks has sat there. Well, two days later. After that night when we walked down to our neighbor, two days later, I wasn't there. But her and her husband came and knocked on our door. This is, we just met them two nights before. Not even him, just her. They come and knocked on our door and said, hey, I guess they had the courage now that we'd introduced ourselves. I'm telling you, there's an open door. There is an open door. said, we've been eyeing your pile of rocks. Really spiritual, right? We need awareness. We need sensitivity. They told my wife. My wife said, well, I don't think he has any plans for them, but I'll check and we'll let you know. It was perfect. It gave us an opportunity to go back to their house. She told me. When she told me, I was like, this is God. God has given us an open door. So I went down, knocked on the door. She comes to the door. I hear you. Harry. So he comes to the door. I get to meet them both. I'm like, hey, those rocks, they're yours. You don't need to pay anything for them. You just take them. When it's convenient, just come and grab them. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. They came and got a wheelbarrow. Well, you guys doing okay? Talking about your neighbor. Last night, we were sitting in the back eating a a hamburger, me and my wife and daughter. We were being super spiritual. And uh, we're munching on our hamburger. We just finished up. And I hear a shovel hit the rocks out front. I'm like, oh, they're probably getting some of those rocks. And, of course, our dog, who is ever aware... He made sure to go over to the side of the fence and bark his ever-loving head off. So I told my wife. Now, transparency, okay? We need to grasp this. I'm trusting the Lord imparting things through this simple story. It was probably about 6 o'clock at that point, maybe a few minutes after 6. I had some plans for the rest of my evening. Part of those plans included the fact that I knew we were having church today. I'm just going to clear my mind a little bit more and just shut away for a couple of hours. I told my wife, I'm going to grab a shovel and go out there and help them real quick. Grab my shovel, go out there. I start helping them both. They're they're shoveling them in the back of their car. They got like a bag in the the trunk space, and they were going to sit them on that and go down there and pull that. I was like, you got a wheelbarrow? I'll just, I'll wheel them down for you. So they put a few in the back of their car. 
And I think I ended up making seven or eight trips of wheelbarrow rock. It was all downhill. Don't feel there was no hard work, really. We filled up the wheelbarrow, and thank the Lord it was downhill. <laughs> Amen. And so we, they showed me where they wanted them, and we went back, and the three of us stood there shoveling rocks, and he and her and I, and we did that for a little while. And he had asked about meeting our dog. Probably wanted to shoot it. <laughs> I'm just thinking. I don't know. No, I'm, he didn't. He, he wanted to meet our dog. And so I, the thought just came through my mind. I'm not saying it was God or anything, but this thought just passed through my mind. I said, hey, Harry, you want to go meet that dog? Oh, yeah. So he did. I, well, so they both said, yeah, she's like, yeah, let's go see that dog. So, so they both walked with me back into the backyard to meet our dog who was ready to bite them both and yap at them. And he was all worked up, goofy dog. Amen. Be careful. Dogs don't move in the spirit. <laughs> no, so anyway, it worked. Long story short, first we're talking. They're trying to meet the dog. And then the dogs want nothing to do with him, and he's off barking at the neighbor on the back of the fence. And we're still talking. And a little after 6 turns into 6.30 to 7 to 7.30, to 8, to 8.30. And we're sitting there in our backyard. My daughter said, sounded like y'all were having fun. They were laughing and carrying. I'm telling you, there's an open door. There's an open door to your neighbor. Harry's 63 years old. He had a stroke six years ago. Lost the whole left side of his body. He's walking again. He's learned to talk again. It's somewhat broken. I believe with all of my heart that God is going to fully heal and restore him. And that God is going to be glorified through it. Now the cool thing. Is they have some depth of relationship with God. I don't know. We didn't sit and compare notes or anything. But there's a hunger. And God's. We got done. We finished. Well Harry and I finished. My wife and Serena were still going. And so. Talk to her about that. She can tell you all that story. So we got up. We walked. We walked back around front. We were walking. I'm walking back down to the house with Harry. Just walking back down. One more wheelbarrow load of rocks. He turns to me. He says, hey. What church do you go to? I said, oh, I go to Tolanani Church. Who's your neighbor? You know what I'm going to do? I decided already. Great thing about public records is you can find people's names and addresses. You guys are like, hold on a minute. What are you talking about? You need the website? Let me know. I'll help you. I'll tell you how to do it. It's pretty simple. County records tells you who's own, who owns a house. You just punch in the address and tell you who owns it. No other deep, dark secrets there. I was like, I know the name. If I go around, I know like, I, but I don't necessarily. I said, I'm writing a letter to every one of my neighbors. And I'm mailing them a letter. I'm going to make sure they know who I am. I'm going to make sure they know my name. I'm going to give them my phone number. I'm going to make sure they know that if they need an egg or a cup of sugar or they need help with a project, or, I want them to know you can call me. You can knock on my door. I'll be right here. I'm telling you, I believe there's an open door. It's given us. And I want to be intentional. Jesus told the apostles, I will make you fishers of men. You ever heard that? Well, guess what? We don't fish like this. Oh, God, maybe. Oh, God. 
No, you fish, you throw out. Now, now some people fish like this, right? When I lived in Alaska, we didn't fish like that. When I lived in Alaska, we got these nets on nine-foot poles. The, the hoop was probably about that big around. And we'd step out in the river, and you'd run upstream, right? Or you'd run downstream, try to keep the water from pushing your net through so you had to move fast enough. And the salmon were swimming upstream. You didn't have to have anybody tell you when the salmon were in the net. Because you're moving like this, trying, and you got to move fast enough, otherwise the, the current will push the net through. And about the time those salmon hit, you know, because you're stopping. And you, we would easily get two, sometimes even three salmon at a time in the net. 12 to 14 pound silvers. And you'd know. And it's on a nine-foot pole, so you're trying to pull that pole in to get that net to you so you can manage that weight and that lever. I liked fishing with a net. It was more fun than just getting one at a time and waiting. And you know what's crazy about it? When you use that net, you knew there were fish there. You didn't use the net hoping there were fish there. When you used the net, you knew those fish are running. And so you'd stick the net in, and you'd know every time I'm going to get something. You knew. I'm telling you. In my neighborhood, I am throwing out a net. I am throwing out a net. There is an opening given us in the Spirit of God. It's not unique to my neighborhood. I don't believe that for a moment. I got to get a love for my neighbor. I got to love God. And if I love God, I'll love my brother. And if I love God, I'll love my neighbor. There's an open door given you. Who's your neighbor? Would you stand with me? I know this is simple. Fishing's not complicated. And you understand, as we've said many, many times, we are not seeking to gather men to ourselves. We're seeking for souls to be reconciled to Christ. The Apostle Paul wrote about the church, and he makes this statement talking about until we all come in the unity. There's a, there's a, before the Lord returns, for every heart that is in genuine relationship with Christ and pursuing Him, I believe there will come a uniting of the church in the earth. Till we all come in the unity of the faith, in the fullness and the stature of Christ. Who's your neighbor? I've been praying for Kelly, for her mom, Mary Ann. I've been praying for Preston and Becca and their kids. I've been praying for Alex and whatever his wife's name is. That's how I pray, Lord, whatever her name is, you know. I didn't just forget it. I don't know it. I, but I know his name's Alex. I'm praying for those people across the street that I don't know yet, Lord, but I'm going to find their name online, and then I'm going to know their name. And That's how I pray. I'm pre I believe he wants to reach every single one of them. I believe it. I'm going to tell you how strongly I believe it. Watch. You better sit down again for just a second. I'm going to hurry, I promise. Across the street from us, there's a house behind these big, tall arborvitas. You can't even see the house. We met the people that lived there when we first moved in eight years ago. It wasn't long they moved out. Lo and behold, another family moved in. A family that had moved to Mississippi, moved back to Washington. You want to know how the Lord works? I had met the man before he ever moved to Mississippi because he was my client at Key Bank when I worked there. Well, my children, when they were small, this is how many years ago it's been, Autumn and Ethan, we had this idea, they'll take some piano lessons. That didn't last very long. Classical piano just didn't work for our kids. Thank goodness there was YouTube and Ethan liked it. And so I learned this guy through the bank. I learned his wife taught piano lessons. So we sent, our kids went down to their house off 24th 
several, I don't know, half a mile away and took piano lessons for a short time. Several years later, lo and behold, Mark and Janice moved into that house and the, the people across the street moved in. I thought, oh, man, I was, I was listening. We would talk. Ethan would go over and take care of their chickens, even killed one of them, and would let one die. He didn't kill it. It died while he was watching. He didn't kill it. Let me, I don't, I don't want to misspeak. And we talked. We talked about things. Probably the biggest door of ministry we had was when Mark let me know, hey, we're moving again. We're moving to California. He was going to go to be a professor at uh, Azusa College. We began talking about Azusa and the start of Azusa, and, the, and uh, that was the last interaction. And then this other family moved in. And then the house, they moved in five years ago. I learned that. Two houses down, moved in five years ago. Just a few years ago, the neighbor right beside us, a man and his wife and their two kids, their two kids got to school age, so they swapped houses. They moved out to West Valley, and his mom that lived in West Valley moved into the house beside us. Her name's Susan. I pray for her. I've been mowing her lawn every once in a while. It's right beside my lawn, so I'm like, I can get it. I just want to make, oh, yeah, it's fine. I hate mowing. Okay. What am I doing? I'm fishing. I'm fishing. I'm fishing. Susan's been nicer to me the last two weeks than she's been the whole time she lived there. That's not, not that she, she's not been unkind. Don't get me wrong. I don't know that I've made the effort. Serena and Harry, the house passed that. A house that was rented out. Three houses down. Police were there every other day, it seemed like. I could hear things being said and shared when I was in my kitchen with the window down. He just said, I pray. I almost got involved in it one day, and then wisdom took over, and I thought, nope, I'm going to keep on walking. I'm going to call the police. Let the police deal with that. And so well, I did. I prayed for that family, and they moved. It was a rental. Well, the person that rented the house sold it. Sold it. New young couple moved in. They hadn't been there a few months. My time's right on them. They hadn't been there a few months. One day we get a knock on our door. This couple is standing at our door. I missed it. I missed it. But I'm going to be aware. And they're holding this little dog. Hey, we're the new people down here. And they introduce themselves. Is this your dog? Nope, not mine. But we know who's this. Because <laughs> he gets out all the time. Great thing about dog getting out, you get to meet your neighbors. I believe that every one of these moves that have happened around us in the last few years is the hand of God putting people in our company. You might say, man, you're crazy. You're overthinking it. No, I believe God so desires to help people. I believe God so desires to love people. I believe God so desires to reveal himself to people that he says, I'll orchestrate their lives to get them in the company of men and women of God, people who love me that can help them be reconciled, people who have the ministry of reconciliation and the word of reconciliation. I'll cause people to choose a house they don't even know why, but it'll get them in the company. I believe God has put people in your neighborhood that you may not know yet that he's desiring to reach, and you've underestimated the reason they're there. Some of you know, I'm being careful here, but some of you know my wife and I sort of by default started watching these two little beautiful kids a few years ago. I'm their favorite. Is it true? I'm their favorite. Ruby and Eli. Anyway, when Sister Arminia told us about that and that opportunity, I believe the Lord was in that. I believe the Lord was in that. You understand, our lives are not just to do stuff. God is wanting to orchestrate and direct your lives because He loves you and you love Him and He wants you to know who's your neighbor. Okay, now you can stand up. I know some of you got bum ankles, so I didn't want you standing on them longer than you had to. 
those of you that don't understand that, I'm picking on some people in a kind way who have hurt their ankles the last couple of days. I love you. Who's your neighbor? Jesus asked the question, which one was his neighbor? And he said, the one that showed mercy. The one that showed mercy. And then Jesus said, go and do likewise. I remember that story, how I told you how long I spent, we spent last night. It was 8.30. I had plans. Here's the thing. We saw it in the story that Jesus shared. I think it's safe to say that the Samaritan who was the neighbor was inconvenienced. His plan probably wasn't when he headed down that road, oh, I'm probably going to run into somebody that needs help. It's going to mess up my day, but I'm going to stop and help them, bandage them up, put them back together, put them on what I was going to ride. It's going to be an inconvenience for me. Then I'm going to take them. Then it's going to cost me something too because I'm going to put them up in the inn and here's some extra in case. And then if there's anything else, take care of them. When I pass back by... You understand there were some elements in that story. It's going to cost you something. It's going to inconvenience you something. There's got to be some commitment to this to see people who are wounded made whole. I was sort of grumbling, not in a major way. I was thankful. I knew it was God last night that gave us that time together. But I was thinking, man, I did not plan on that two and a half hours of my evening being that way. And the Lord dealt with me and said, oh, I'm sorry I inconvenienced you. I'm like, oh, no, Lord, it's okay. Please, inconvenience me. Inconvenience me. Really, I'm being dead serious. God, inconvenience me. Whatever I've got can wait. If it needs to wait, inconvenience me. I'm talking about eternity, not my yard project. One can wait. One can wait. Would you talk to the Lord right now? Who's your neighbor? Come on, maybe it's the person on the job. Maybe it's not somebody in a house beside you. Don't misunderstand from the examples I've shared. It's not just about the house down the street. Come on, maybe, maybe it's that coworker that you're like, man, why... You know the need. God is, their need has been revealed to you, and God's given you an opportunity to get involved, to show mercy. I pray, God, give us a spiritual sensitivity and awareness. I ask you, Lord, forgive me where I've been willfully blind because of my own focuses that were not in alignment with you and your kingdom. I want to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I want to love my neighbor as myself. I can't do this in my ability, Lord, but you are able and willing and desiring to enable me to do so. I pray, grant us a sensitivity and an awareness and a willingness to speak, a willingness to be inconvenienced, if you will, a willingness to go out of our way, invest of ourselves and our time and our energy to serve your purpose in the earth, to walk in the ministry of reconciliation, to walk in the ministry that you've called us to walk in. Every single one of us, Lord, you have chosen in this hour to operate in your spirit under the influence of the Holy Ghost guiding our lives. I pray, use us for your purpose. Use us for your glory. You are preparing hearts. You're preparing souls. I pray, use us, God. We'll submit ourselves to you. Give us an awareness. Give us an awareness. Come on, right now, would you please, I'm asking you, would you take one of your hands and place it over your eyes? I'd like us to pray for our eyes, that God would anoint our eyes to see. 
that he would anoint our eyes to see. Give me eyes to see, Lord, what you want me to see. An awareness of vision. Let me see the kingdom. Give me eyes to see the kingdom. The places where you have dominion and where you can work freely if I'll just yield. Anoint my eyes to see. Anoint our eyes to see. To see our neighbor. To see our coworker. To see through the lens of the love of God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Knowing our eyes to see today. In Jesus' name. And give us a boldness to speak. And give us a boldness to speak. In Jesus' name. Praise God. I am believing today that God by His Spirit for many of you has already quickened somebody to your heart. Perhaps He's already quickened somebody and you're going, I don't know their name. Guilty. You know what I do? I just start praying for them like I shared. God, that person over there that this and I don't know their name yet, but I'm praying for them now. And then go find out their name. The Lord said this. Say not yet four months and then cometh the harvest. Behold, the fields are white. They're white. They're all ready to harvest. There is an opening. There is an opening. God bless you. Thank you for your receiving of the word today. We're stopping right here because I want you to walk out with exactly what you're feeling from the Lord right now. And I want it to guide you and direct you even today. Amen. Go do the work of the kingdom. In Jesus' name, greet somebody. You're dismissed.